Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 120. This week on the show, I have a awesome fucking conversation. I know I say that virtually every episode. I really do believe that almost every one of them truly is awesome. Uh, but this time, I had a ton of fun talking with Joey and Bree of the band Cliff Diver. Um, super cool people. Truly, truly enjoyed this conversation and getting into uh, a wide variety of things, such as their new album, Exercise Your Demons, which is out now. And after you listen to this episode, you should go stream that. Um, we also talked about, you know, some of the some of the meaning behind some of the songs, you know, I don't ask very often or ever really anymore to be specific about what any particular song is, um, you know, story-wise or whatever, but we do dig into them a little bit on this one simply for the fact of the mental health topics that are covered uh, and things like that. Um, and we had an awesome little uh, tangent that we got on regarding Celine Dion. So, you know, I think that's something that's going to be fun for a lot of people to to experience. If you aren't already following me on TikTok or Instagram, uh, that'll be new to you. If you are following me on TikTok or Instagram, you've seen that clip already. And I will have a lot more clips coming soon uh, for Instagram Reels and TikTok. But uh, for now, let's just dive into this conversation um again it was super fun huge shout out to joey and brie for taking the time to do this uh you know and being available at the same time to do this and yeah here's my conversation with joey and brie of cliff diver awesome uh so to kick things off i do start with the same boring ass question every time though and that's the simple introduction <laughs> who are you what do you do and why are we having this conversation I'm Joey. I am one of the front people in Cliff Diver. I'm Bree. I'm one of the other front person of Cliff Diver. And we are here to talk about a new album we're releasing and Cliff Diver. Next week, and where you are. Next week. We're releasing it next week. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's how I felt earlier today. <laughs> Someone goes, yeah, next Friday. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it might be released by the time anyone hears this, and I and I hope you're enjoying it. If so, uh, right now where we are, it's um it's the pre time. So if everyone really liked it, we had no idea, and we're super nervous. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> th this will be post it coming out, but it, it's a it's funny you say that, Joey, because like I think that that's the case for a lot of artists. Like initially, as you create the art, right? Like it's like. Oh man, I can't wait for this to get out there. But then as that date gets closer, you're like, Ooh, I don't know if I want this to be out there. Like, what do we do if this is wrong? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, just one of those double-edged things where it's like, I can't, I can't wait to release it. But also we, we talked about, me and Brie were talking about this earlier. It's, it's like, you always have that apprehension right before you release something that's completely different than anything you've ever done. Where you're like, all right. Ah, uh, here we go. <laughs> but I think it's learning to tell the difference between um, being nervous and being excited is, you know, the fear. And so I'm not 
really afraid that people are going to hate it or whatever. I'm, I'm proud of it. And I, I'm excited. I can't wait, but also terrified. So yeah. it's definitely dualistic. It's kind of that, like, um, like, Oh, people are going to finally hear this. Like people are going to hear this. it's been ours for so long it feels like it's been something that like we've nurtured and changed and written and rewritten and and like it's now we have to let it go like we're parents and it feels very much like oh okay have fun in kindergarten wait come back no okay uh all right here you go oh i'll do your best (laughs) you know yeah i think that's the the thing with art of any sort right like as you create it, it's yours and nobody else gets to see it. Nobody else gets to touch it. Like it is mine. And then the second you put it out there for the world, it's like you, in a sense, lose control over what it is. Um, But I think the beauty in that too, is the amount of potential connection and interpretation and things like that, where, you know, this thing that I created, especially with this album, you guys get into some pretty heavy topics, you know, so hopefully this thing that I've created is able to help somebody else get through a bad time in their life. Or even if it's not getting them through a bad time, maybe they just want to fucking party and this music is what they party to. I think that's one thing we're excited about. Bree Bree says it great about it can be anything you need it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy when you, when you create, like you said, you know, you, you put it out there and suddenly you're hearing interpretations and, and people talking about it in a way that creates new depth for you too. So like, I'm mm-hmm. excited about hearing people attaching their own meaning to these songs. Like I'm excited to see that part, I think, and watching people interact with it especially because it's a, it's a full-length lp it's the i'm the first one i've ever released i know it's the first one for the for the you know cliff diver the whole so we're doing this together and that's that's really what i'm excited about is kind of hearing yeah. the stories afterwards of this is what this song meant to me and oh my gosh like this is the same for me and blah 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 um i i'm i can't wait for people to interact with it and and see the new interpretations of what even we created i think it'll it'll be even more like there'll be even more depth and more color there for us even afterwards. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it reminds me of, and I've been bringing this clip up a lot recently, but you just reminded me of the interview that happened with Kelly Clarkson and Dave Grohl, where she had a specific connection to learn to fly. And she's like, she thought it was like this super metaphorical song. Like it's really deep and everything. And she's telling him about it. And he goes, yeah, no, that song's literally about me wanting to learn how to fucking fly an airplane. Like, it was the most literal thing to him, but to her, it had all this profound meaning. And it's like such an awesome thing that art is able to do that. Right, and you it's know, still real. It's still yeah. real, no matter what the intent was. It still can create, it goes, it goes, like Joey said, it's like a child. It goes without you and does its own thing. And people will take it by the hand and, you know, it's that's so cool. I love that. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a trip when you have to get used to like people assigning value to something that goes beyond what you created for. Like uh, Gas City was a song. How we got Bree to join the band was that song. And it's like it's supposed to be a cheesy, fun, like make you feel good on a bad day song. Like that's its right. whole point. And so for a while, Matt and I would listen to it afterwards and be like, 
I don't want to play this song. I think it's kind of lame. I think, you know, because we were writing all these super cool, super heavy songs for the album. And Gas City was the last song we released. We were like, ah, I just, we have better songs now. And it's, is this, a, and then we played it live as a band and people loved it. And then people would come up to us after the show and be like, that song's got me through so many bad days. Like I listened to that in the car with my kids. And it was just like this thing that was kind of, you know, maybe a little, a little funny, a little cheesy, a little campy um to us that was kind of just like hey let's just do some fun like to some people like that song means a lot to them and that made me have to stop being like well no that song's stupid it's a dumb song it's not very you know we have better stuff whatever whatever and right. it, it, i i you have to learn to be like quit telling people how to experience music if they had a positive experience just let them have a positive experience you don't have to you know make all these justifications that Oh, I write better lyrics sometimes. Like, who cares? Like, they like the song. Just say thank you. I'm glad you like. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And that's that's yeah. that's a trip. Yeah. You got to pull your head out of your ass a little bit to like let <sighs> other people take your art and do what they're gonna do with it. Because I think like Gas City is a perfect example for it. Because it's true. Like, we're kind of like gas up your homies. Like, that's how we talk. And you know, right. we felt a little bit like, is that even? Do, are people? you know okay cool and so like once we went on tour with that song and we got all of these stories it's one of my favorite songs to sing now because I love seeing people in the audience they're like oh my god that's my song it's so funny um and it's it's I I fell in love with it all over again because of it now when I think about it it's not what the song was even intended for it just reminds me of everyone who's ever loved it and so well said yeah and I think especially with music, you know, that's, that's one of the beautiful things too, right? Like music kind of, even though the song doesn't change once it's out there, it evolves with us and it grows with us. So like you may connect with a specific song after a bad breakup or something, and that's what that song means to you until you heal and get past it. And then you go back and listen to that song and you're like, you know what? It's not about the breakup. It was about the relationship and the things that I missed because it was ending or whatever. And you can assign that new value to it. Yes. Yeah. Right. The, the song, a perfect example of that is Bright Eyes, First Day of My Life, right? That was going to be the song that me and my ex are going to, like, she was going to walk down the aisle of that song. And so when we broke up and then she she passed away, I I couldn't listen to that song. I couldn't, even just hearing the first notes of it, it, like, put me in a dark place. And it was we were driving through Texas back from South by Southwest and it came up on a, a throwback playlist and started playing. And I looked at Tyler who was driving and go, I haven't listened to this song in probably like six years. And like, just listen to it and like, listen to the words about it being, you know, hopeful and about love. And it made me remember the good things, not the pain anymore. And so it's ex- that exact thing where I was like, Oh, I could hear it again in a new way. And it meant something else like, okay, well now also this is the first day of my life. So let's move, let's move on. Let's move forward. And, um it, it is a really cool thing i love i love music like it just it can do it can do magic that nothing else can yeah 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 i've i've always said like music is a, a form of therapy and obviously they actually use it in therapy for certain instances as well or a certain type of therapy but like to me like even take away the music journalist side of it i think i became a, i know i became a music journalist because of my love for music but like the fan side of me, I love the fact that I can, you know, like you said, come back to a song or whatever. And like, you can almost map out your life, right. As a soundtrack with all the different 
genres that you've listened to or what songs meant, you know, things. And like my only like super cheesy hope is at the end of, of this life that my <laughs> life plays back in memories with the song. So it is, you know, that soundtrack moving forward, like a movie. That'd be great. Whatever your favorite song was at that time is playing. And, uh, you know, that would yeah. be, that'd be wild. Of course, yeah. <laughs> most of mine would be just Celine Dion's, um, my it's all coming back to me now get it yeah. like that's the it's all coming back to me now it's my been my favorite song for like 10 years and it's always playing on a loop in my head so most of my memories would just be that on repeat <laughs> so true so true don't be with joey duffy when that song comes on over an intercom because everyone is like in for a performance it's <laughs> a full-on karaoke touch me like this i have so I at least like, two performances on film at least two <laughs> to be fair, document them someday. <laughs> to be fair, it's Celine Dion. I mean, come up. Can't come on. Can't go wrong. Figure it out. Figure it yeah, out. Like, <laughs> uh, legitimately, like I don't think there's a single person on the planet that can truly say they don't like Celine Dion. Like you can say it for this the face value, but you're fucking lying. Right. I feel. I feel that way about a lot of singers where people get caught up in like the image or the music and it's like, okay, okay. I hear what you're saying, but you cannot tell me that Celine Dion is not one of the best singers on the planet. Like you can't objectively, that is a fact. And there's like, you can say all you want that you don't like power ballads and that's fine. I still think you're a liar, but that's fine. Can't say, can't say, can't say smack about Celine. There, There is no one who hasn't at least once sang along to my heart would go on there's no one on this planet who's heard the song at least once or seen titanic and then hasn't sang it at some point to someone about something you're lying you're lying to me you're lying to celine and you're lying to god so and they're if all unforgivable someone, if there is someone i don't want to meet them i don't want to know them they can bump Kick right on us. by yep totally agree uh, <laughs> now, now not, they're on the same page about Celine. Yeah, and not, <laughs> and not that I thought that that's anywhere near where this podcast would go, but hey, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> that, that's why you have two front people. So no, let's let's dive in a little bit to the the new album. Um, you guys are with Side One Dummy Records, which is for anyone that doesn't know for whatever reason uh, is an incredible label, like the amount of a experience that that label has is insane but the depth of that roster is incredible as well what's it mean to you guys to be kind of within this group it's still not real like there's mm-hmm. there's days i mean joey's wearing the hoodie right now there's days where we'll be wearing like a side one dummy t-shirt and we'll just start pointing at each other and laughing hysterically like what we conned these people in <laughs> right like it it feels very it's just strange especially because we all grew up listening you know to records with side one dummy on the back and the small print or on the you know the side of the the album slick shoes and mxpx and title fight and all of that it's just like there's no end to the pride that i feel for like being a part of it because i understand like because i grew up with it so like it's 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 bizarre it's weird it's every day that i wake up and remember it i have like a moment it's maybe i'll get used to it eventually i don't know but right now i am not used to it it still feels fantastic it makes me nauseated 
Yeah, it was it was the first day we had the first single out, right? And until in in when I turned 16, I was finally able to drive myself around and buy my own records, right? Before that, I always had to buy my records at Mardell's, the Christian bookstore. It's the only place I could get music. Right? The only place I was allowed. So I'd gone through every pop punk, every metalcore, every post-hardcore band that Mardell's had to offer. And I went to Hot Topic and picked up the Vans Warped Tour compilation 2002 and <laughs> changed my life. It changed my life, introduced me to a whole new scene of music. Like I'd had some Blink-22, you know, smuggled in, uh, you know, from when I was like 13 at church camp, somebody like passed me, uh, take off your pants and Mark, Tom and Travis show an enema. And I like would keep them secretly hidden and like go around listening to it. But like, that was the first album I bought just like, and, and it just shattered my brain. I was like, this is so good. And I remember turning over, like studying the back, studying the front and on the bottom, it's side one dummy records. And the day we released our first album in a completely weird serendipitous thing, like hot topic, like posted the song. And I was like, by side one dummy records. And it was this full circle moment. And I just like synchronicity, man. It, 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 that was one of those moments. It, it's still surreal to me. It's it like, I remember thinking, wow, to be a side one. Cause I didn't know how it compilations work. I was like to be a side one dummy band, you know and I mean? Yeah. That's the dream. And then uh, Bree said it, it, it doesn't feel real. I don't know if it ever will. It all started, you know, so, so humbly with just us trying to force a band together and then to be able to work in places that such storied people have have made careers through side one dummy i mean it's a it's a really special opportunity that we don't take for granted and we're we're super grateful for phil and thomas and the rest of the the group who who have really fought for the vision of the album and um been really supportive and encouraging and believe in us and um that's meant more than anything i mean just that these people who do know what a good album looks like are like this is a good album i mean that's uh you can't put put that into into words how, how special that kind of feeling is yeah and i i think the thing with with side one that like a lot of labels try to do and some of them are really good at it but side one dummy specifically are so good at letting you be the creative that you are and just dialing it up. Like they don't take the control away from you or say like, Hey, that's not going to work. We're going to make you do this pop album. And it's like, okay, well, fuck we're stuck. They go, Hey, go create whatever piece of art that you think is you. And we're just going to figure out how to dial it up to the next level. Yeah. And that they've, they've voiced that, you know, every step of the way, it's been very upfront about, you know, this is, what do you guys want to do? You know, we want you to be the artists where, like you said, we're here to turn it up to 11, whatever you're doing, we're amplifying it. We're adding to it. We're, we're helping. And I mean, we're, we're, <laughs> we, we call it uh we're, 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 we're a pack of head asses. Mm-hmm. Um, use some cliff diver lingo there, I suppose. But um we're not quite dumbasses. But but, it's not you're not a dumbass, you're just a head ass. And good nature of stupidity. And <laughs> it's like it's 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 just like the way that they deal with us and appreciate us, you know, amidst the little bit of mess that just comes with us. Like they they know artists 
and they love artists and they understand how we are, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's respected and it's appreciated and tolerated. And yeah. it's, it, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's very much, it feels very familial and that's how we like to do things. We've spent, um, especially once the album was done and it was like, oh crap, what did we do? This is really good. I think, I mean, I was, what do you guys think? You guys think so too? So we started building this team, our manager, Joe Giordano, who's in, just amazing. Um, and then now wow. with the legal team and, and Natalie, and it's just, it's, it's such a family, like Cliff Diver mm-hmm. is family. And it's, you know, there's not just seven members. There's like a million <laughs> a million of them because it's the whole city of Tulsa. It's our entire team. It's anyone who's ever bought it, any of our music or shared it. Like we're just, we're so grateful for all the support and the label has spearheaded a lot of the big support that we've had. There's mm-hmm. things we can't announce yet that never in a million, year, never in a million years would when, have happened. When's it coming out? Uh, this will go out. Let's double check. Uh, one month from today. So oh, May oh. the 25th. Then we can talk about it, Bree. Josh, you can't tell anybody until then. Then you got to keep it a seat. Okay. Yeah. Fully locked down. Got it. <laughs> we just found out that we are opening for uh, Bowling for Soup and Less Than Jake. Wow. For their, yeah, for their tour. We leave uh, at the end of July and we're going to be with them for at least a few weeks, maybe longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's like these, these massive festivals. Like we're playing with our heroes already. This is LP1. Like, it just feels like our dreams are coming true at such a ridiculous rate. We can't help but be like blown away and really thankful. And I think it makes us work harder because we're also just that kind of people. I yeah. I think it's, we're, we're very much Tulsans and I, I don't know what it's like to live anywhere else, but in Tulsa, it's like, we're just, we're very thankful people and we're very lovey and we're very dependent on each other. And like everyone, if you come to Tulsa, you get a hug. It's just how it works. Like right. we're just we're, cook for people you take care of people you love people and it's like i think that we just we're feeling every bit of that love and support and and thankfulness and gratitude like it it, there how do you what do you say about any of that i don't know i don't there's no blueprint it's just my mind's blown daily yeah and i I think it's wild yeah and i was gonna say i think the the great thing that i hear from you when you when you talk about it a is passion but two like you said like all these things are are coming at a much faster rate than really anybody probably expected um but like you're not going cool we made it now we can just relax it's a cool we did that thing now how do we top it like what can we do to push forward past that well that's what i say all the time when when people you know, you talk to other bands about, you know, in Tulsa and, and they'll say like, oh, you signed to a label. So like, it's, is it gotten easier? It's probably gotten easier. And I'm like, not, not really. Like, I feel like we've done all this work over the last four years just to get to the first step of the actual work. Like we, right. all the other work was a precursor, a prequel for the actual, you know, work that begins now. And, but I mean, we get to work at making our actual dream come true and it's an opportunity that you know people dream about and we've dreamed about and uh we're up for the challenge we we love to work and we love to do um you know all the videos and the photo shoots and stuff like that sure it gets 
you know, stressful at times, but boy, is it not the coolest thing in the world? Like, oh, sorry, guys, I was, I was making a music video. Like, that's it. It's, it's not yeah. so bad. <laughs> and also, like, I think we see all these opportunities as somebody's investment. Like, mm-hmm. these opportunities are not just somebody saying, oh, here you go, because you deserve it. It's, these are just people making this conscious effort that you're going to show up and show out. Every time someone buys your music, it's an investment. Every time, you know, mm-hmm. someone shares it. So I feel like the more support we get, we don't look at it as the more we can relax. It's the more people we have to work for and mm-hmm. more, more people we have to reach and, and have to have to show up for because they showed up for us. So you give us an opportunity, we're going <laughs> to, you know, crawl across the finish line period. Cause that's just who we are. So like, that I think that's like that's just in our DNA. It's kind of like mm-hmm. we take we take these opportunities very seriously. And after we're done, you know, puking over it, it's like, okay, what do we do? Let's get to work. Let's what's the next thing? What how do we how do we take care of this investment? How do we double this person's investment? How do we blow these people out of the water that are giving us a shot? You know? And I think that's that's a, a big chunk of gratitude is, you know, taking care of that, yeah. that investment and those opportunities. And and also, I think um, part part of it is like I lost my train of thought. Bree said it so well. I was so I was so <laughs> deep listening. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, so, whatever. It wasn't I, that I important. totally agree. I I think though something you said, Joey, that that triggered in my mind because you hear it so often where people, oh, you know, they got signed. It's it's a cakewalk from here. The biggest misconception about a record label deal is that it is free money. Like, yes. and you don't have to get into the details of your deal, but like, sure, somebody else is footing the bill up front, but I have to do the work to pay them back on the back end, whether that's yeah. streams, album sales, getting out on tour. Like, I wish the world worked, and I'm sure you guys do too. Like, I wish the world worked with. Hey, here's a check and you go do with it whatever you want. You don't have to pay me back. See you later. Like, but that's not life. <laughs> well, the easiest way I've found to explain whenever I talk about it is just like, we're a small business and we've pitched ourselves to several venture capitalist firms. Sure, they're going to invest us money in it, but it's an investment that is expected to be recouped. You, you know, a big hedge fund's not going to give you $20 million and go, all right, man, there's $20 billion. You know, good luck with it. Have a good, we'll, we'll talk to you later. No, they expect the turn of the profits and they expect you to continue to work with the money you're given. Um, but if it all falls apart, it's still on you. You have to be the one who is working. You can't just sit back and go, well, label's going to take care of it now. I'll let the label do that. And and that's why it's, I think, great working with side one is like you were referring earlier is they aren't a label that's like, all right, you guys just shut up, show up when, when we tell you to. This is how you're going to look. This is how you're going to talk. This is how you're going to act. I mean, there was never any like adjustments on on vision or on on the product itself. They were never like, ah, but this or any of the music videos we've made. They're just like, this is funny. You guys, you guys are having fun. And I think they've been doing it for so long. They love to see. They want to give bands an opportunity to really run with it, because I think that's what gives. I know Thomas, the guy we work with the most. He, he's incredible. Um, but like, I think it brings him such joy you can see it when things go right for a small band because he i think they're just that kind of people who who love to watch people succeed and um 
I, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a large sum, uh, not, you know, use that as you will, not a large sum, but, uh, hey, it's probably you know, large to me too. So, you know, oh, it just yeah, depends yeah, on yeah, where yeah. you start at. <laughs> when you enough. start doing the stream numbers and you're like, oh, okay, that's a lot. That's a lot of streams. That's a lot of meat we got to eat, but it's like, all right, I'm hungry. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, though, to be fair, if Spotify would just fucking pay a decent royalty, then, that wouldn't be a problem anymore, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, hey, Daniel, Daniel's trying to buy some, some soccer teams right now. So he needs the extra cash. All right. Leave him alone. He's got to buy a soccer team with the music. I, I like that. I mean, he makes Clint Diver a part investor of whatever he buys. So <laughs> yeah, as long as he gets something good. Uh, but no, like I recently <laughs> saw something about that sort of stuff. They were talking about private, uh, privatized healthcare like Liberty Mutual Stadium out in, in Washington and stuff like that. And they're like, well, you know, all these private companies bring in money and then they go buy these other things. And like, that's why you pay a premium rate for stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, but they're doing that to increase their revenue too. So like Spotify, I do not condone the the payouts at all. And I'm, you know, not that anybody from them is going to listen to my podcast and kick me off, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, like, Sure, go out and buy a soccer team to bring in more revenue, but then put that money back into the creators that are giving you the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it it is, and I think that's one of the harsh realities of being a musician these days is accepting that, like, the amount of streams that we get, if they were spins or plays in the old days we would have so many people who would be mega rock stars right if it was on the old system of artist payouts like we we have a song that almost has a million streams we almost have a gold song you know what i mean like in the old days that was worth a ton of money but it's it's not anymore but people still care about what your numbers are for festivals for tours like you have to participate and the only hope is that they will can try and make an effort to to support the voices that have made their platform and you know we can only hope that they do because at this point it's it is just capitalism what are you what are you gonna do about it <laughs> right it's america it's fine uh <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine this is fine um but i i do think you know one of the positive things especially with spotify is the analytics that they provide you are insanely detailed so, cool. so it is so easy to see like okay, this song did this well within the first 30 days. And this is the city that we're killing it in over the last 90 days. Like now I can plan routing tours and stuff like that based off this concrete evidence. Now, that being said, that doesn't always obviously pan out. And you guys probably have had some experience with that where like, oh, we're streaming really well in Austin, Texas. You go to Austin and it's like, oh, 50 people showed up. Shit. Like, <laughs> you know, well, not, you can't always translate it. <laughs> we we love Austin. Austin, Austin and Cliff Diver are are are, are very good friends. Okay, bad example, but you know Poughkeepsie, <laughs> <laughs> New York, Joey. No, there we go. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess on that side of things, you know, tours and things like that. The energy that you guys put into, I'm purposely holding off on talking about the album for now. So uh, the energy that you guys put into your songs, though, is very clearly to play them live. Obviously, I think that's a 
intentional step, but how organic is that as well for you guys when you're creating? Extremely. Um, I'd say that it's like, I, I think it's just coincidental in a way, almost like we do think about the live performances, but I, I think more than anything with this album, we were focused on the album. And I mean, like, I obviously like with being the little riff master that he is, Matt would come up with things and be like, oh yeah, this is it, you know? And there would be moments, but it is, it is super organic. It's just, I think, you know, especially as a new addition to Cliff Diver and performing the old songs now on stage and kind of getting part to be part of that process. It is just super natural. It's super organic. These, the songs, um, you know, do need, you know, from projects I've done in the past, they do need minimal tweaking or whatever for playing live, but there's also seven of us. So, <laughs> you know, everybody can do something, but it's, um, I'd say it's, it's super just in the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, they're all written. It just comes out as they are. We're not thinking about a lot of it, but I think it's always like right after when we write them and we're listening back to the demo, we're like, Oh, that part could be sick live. Like imagine that live, everyone sings that part back. And, and then it's like, Ooh, that is cool. And then we get more excited about the song, but yeah, I don't, it's not in, intentionally written to be like, Oh, and this is when we'll have them do this. It's like, okay, what, how do we make this song best explain how, how this feeling that we're trying to, what's the smartest, dumbest, easiest, but, pretty way we can say some, you know, some concept and then the rest of it just kind of happens. Yeah. Um, but, but playing live is, I think the whole purpose of, of cliff diver. And I think that's one place that we all agree is kind of our favorite thing that we do is these, these live shows cause they are so high energy. And, and that's something we pride ourselves in a band is that we, by the end of it, you know, usually me or Brianna or both of us are laying on the ground, drenched in sweat, you know, just trying to remember how to breathe. Because, I mean, we we do. We we go as hard as, you know, my mid-30 body will let me, you know. But it's 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 such a cathartic energy release, too. It's it's joyish. And, and, and then the, you get to really get out your anger and your rage and, like, Band practice is my favorite night of the week because I know no matter how I'm feeling when I get there, by the time I leave, it's it's just a little bit less heavy. You know, whatever I've been going through, I can. Okay, everything has been for this. So remember to enjoy some of this moment. And I think that that really lets us um, let go is that it is just as cathartic for us as it is for hopefully the audience. So. Yeah, we, uh, we we love playing live. It's take it. We want to be on tour all the time. We want to play everywhere. No, I think I think that's incredible. And um, diving into the album a little bit now, uh, because I think that talking about how cathartic it is plays into the the title of the album and obviously the content. Um, so exercise your demons. A little bit of a play on words, obviously as well. But um, talk about you know. The, the content for this album, it's not like a, I don't want it to sound like to people that, oh, they, they wrote this like super heavy, depressing emo album, because that's not what it is. But you guys do tackle a lot of mental health topics throughout this album. What's that been like for you to, to kind of put that on display and use your music as a therapy for yourselves and hopefully a release to fans? I'm sort of new to the idea of that. You know, Joey's been kind of 
<laughs> bleeding publicly in Cliff Diver for a couple of years now. And it's something that's kind of what our friendship started on was I would message him and be like, man, you're so upfront. Like I could never in a million years be like, Hey, everybody's starting a new meds journey today, you know, or, or, you know, the things that he would be so bold about. And I just reached out and I was like, Hey, as a fellow, you know, musician, like it's really hard to talk about those things. Cause you know, your image or whatever you're worried about and making people feel bad and stuff. And so we had had this entire conversation about being a sort of a musician who's honest about that years ago, like five, six, seven years ago. And, um, and so when I joined Cliff Diver, Joey was kind of like, you know, you've got to like, you got to start being honest now. Like you got to start we now. Got it's you. We got you now. <laughs> now exactly. He was He's like, you know what you signed up for, right? And I was like, dang it, I guess so. I can't, I just sing, just let me sing. But it, he was like, no, we're not doing that. Like, if you're in it, you're in it. You're, you're writing this album with us. You're doing it, you know? And, and so it took a little while, but I, I mean, this was my first real um, situation, like where I got to be a songwriter and, you know, would write entire parts of a song and everybody just be like, yeah. And we plug it in. And suddenly I wrote half a song, you know, like suddenly just in that moment, because it's just, it takes so much to be brave. But when we went on on tour for the first time and I got to see people for the first time that aren't just, you know, living in Tulsa, like homies, people who are really just affected by the music that the guys had put out up to that point, it kind of was like, okay, this is why we do that because there's real people on the other side of this. This has really nothing to do with me. I need to get out of the way so that somebody else can, can grab a hold of this. And so once I learned that and sort of got, got out of my own head a little bit, it was so much easier to be honest and not to mention, you know, when you have people there who want you to be honest and want to get this out of you, because your experience has to be woven into the fabric of this album. And this is what we need from you, Brie. And, I eventually just had to like rise to the occasion because I knew I was a good writer, but being honest about those things, is hard. Like um, track four is um, we saw the same sunset and it talks a lot about suicidal ideation. And, and that was, that was hard to talk about to a room full of your friends who want you to be okay when you're not okay, you know? And, and so I think that, you know, it's, it's just, it's taken a lot of bravery, but it means everything to us because we see the people on the other side of it when we're on tour and, you know, on Twitter, like reaching out to us all the time. And so it's like the battery, our bravery runs on, I think, and our honesty runs on sometimes because it's hard. It takes a lot out of you. It really does. You know, it's not, it's not just art. We're literally putting our problems out there, our, you know, the way we work through things, our mindsets. It's, It's a lot to put out there. It's a lot to expose. Yeah. And especially as parents, I feel like there's this extra like you always want to be perceived as a good parent and you want to be perceived as like uh, you want your kid to always be able to perceive you as a good person and all this kind of stuff. But like that is part of it, I think, is the, the reclamation of your story through total honesty, through you know, exercising out all these, these issues and getting them out and, and, and trying to get them into shape instead of just letting them terrorize your life. Um, it, it's a big part of it. And I think that by, by letting go, you're able to actually let go. And it's, I know it sounds simplistic, but 
when you can finally just be like, yeah, that is who I was. I was a very sad, angry, petty person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was mean and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I'm uh, and I'm sorry, but that's not who I am anymore. And I'm allowed to like you're allowed to invest in yourself again, I think is is really the, the cool thing that we get to show our children and, and show them that, like, even if you mess it all up and you feel like you have messed it all up and there's never going to be a, a nice, you know, anything happen to you, you can put your head down and, and invest in yourself and do the work, go to therapy. You know, if you need, if you need to go to get on meds, if you need to, but just take care of yourself because you're worth it. And I think that's, that's the, the opportunity we have by being a band that is out there because if, if I can take all my worst nights and one of them can help one person realize that it doesn't end there, then it's, it's worth it to me to be exposed and to be vulnerable because I already survived it. Like I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't control me like it used to. And if, if I can let go and someone else can let go too, and we can just stand there and be like, just for a second. I mean, it's worth it. Yeah, Yeah, no, I a thousand percent agree. And I've actually got a second podcast that is called musicians for mental health, where we obviously talk about all this sort of stuff. Um, but I say, I'm down. (laughs) I'll I'll hit you up for sure. Um, but no, I, I talk a lot about, you know, Brie, you kind of brought it up too. Like I say that I don't tell my story for me. I tell my story for others. I tell my story so others can see themselves in it and see that things do get better. Um, and I, I love that, you know, we refer to it as a story. You know, it seems like anyone that talks about mental health refers to their life as a story because it's all about the chapters that we've been through and things like that. And um, one of the reasons that I love referring to my life as a story is because other than Game of Thrones, which is my joke about this, other than Game of Thrones, no book ends with a shitty part, right? Like they don't end in the darkness. You know, you always have another chapter where, oh, they went through this terrible fucking thing, but it got better. Like they ended up being the hero in their own story. Um, We talk about that exact idea, track three on this album. There's a line that says, I don't know how to stop feeling like the villain in my own story. Like, and, and I think a lot of the album was about the idea of like, we are storytellers, Brianna and I, and and Matt through the music, uh, but like Brie and I love to tell stories, even not just through songwriting, just in general, we love to be like, and then there I was, you know, like we just, there's something special about telling stories. And it was a couple of years ago when I, someone told me like, he's like, man, you can recapture your narrative. You don't have to let people write chapters for you anymore. And like, for some reason that thought, got so deep in my brain where it was like, oh, holy crap, I can, I can recapture my my narrative. And I can say, instead of it being like, local man ruins everything, uh, shout out Wonder Years, I can be like, local man hits rock bottom, bounces back, you know, whole town throws parade, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So that's a special, so yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, and I, I think, you know, something that you just said is the like, the recapturing of of your own narrative. I think far too often this ended up getting a little deeper than I thought it was going to, but I'm okay with it. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm, I'm fine with it, but no, I I think far too often, you know, as someone that has battled depression and and mental health issues pretty much 
my whole life as well, too often we let other people's view affect our view of ourselves. So they get to write our story because of their perception of us. And at some point you have to look at it and go, you know what? You don't control my story. If you're a, a toxic person or whatever it is, like it's okay for me to take control of my life again and say, I'm going to do better and move forward. And yeah. It's also okay to take it back from yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I like, man, that's, that's real. <laughs> you know, like I, Cliff Diver represents that for me, you know, yeah. like I, I, you know, my whole life dealing with anxiety and depression and undiagnosed OCD for a lot of it, it's like, there's so many decisions that I made that were not mine. And joining Cliff Diver kind of like even getting into the genre. Cause I grew up a DIY hardcore kid. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I bought clarity when I was nine and everything changed. Like I woke up yeah. the next day an emo kid period. That's how it was. And that was in like 1999. You know what I mean? I was, I was 10 and it's like, I never made this music because there was an understanding of who that person was. Right. I don't, right. I don't look like, the lead singer of Jimmy World or Connor Oberst or Elliot Smith or any of these people who were really good at relating to what I was feeling, but they didn't look like me. They didn't sound like me. They didn't whatever. And so like you said about not telling your story for you, I, I think about that a lot with what I do. It's not just telling my stories. It's telling my stories to people who look like me and don't have anyone else that's sitting, that's saying, Hey, I'm a 33 year old mom. Hey, I'm a woman of color. Hey, I'm a big girl. Hey, I'm, you know, all these different things, you know, like that. It, I just, I feel like I'm widening the umbrella of the conversation by being a part of it. And that was something like you say, it just had to be bigger than me. It had to be, you know, like do it for the 10 year old who would have absolutely lost her ever loving shit. If a big black blonde girl was fronting a pop punky moment, like, I would I wouldn't have known what to do with that. You know what I mean? Like I have no idea, and it wouldn't have alienated me so much from creating this music. And and who knows what would have happened? I don't know. Like this is perfect, and I wouldn't change a thing. But it's you know that that idea that you can inspire even those little things. And and this is just about what I can come up with based on my experience. Something totally different could happen with it, you know. And and you can affect people who don't look like you, and who do, obviously because I was affected by a bunch of people who didn't look like me, but it does widen the umbrella. It does paint the color, you know, the picture a little bit broader. It does anything we can do to make people feel less alone is good. I, I think the big thing, especially in, in this genre escape, right? Like it is such an inclusive genre. Like we in the pop punk scene, the emo scene, whatever, we tell stories that other people know, you know, everybody's experienced some form of the things we talk about. But I think kind of to your point, you know, being a, a black woman in this band, in this genre, it opens eyes and people go, well, I've never really went in that avenue. Like, but let's check it out. She looks like me, so it must be cool. So let's go, you know, take a listen. And, you know, I think that's, something incredible that you're doing and the girls and meet me at the altar, like they don't look like traditional pop punk girls, you know, like, and that's coming from a 37 year old white man. Like <laughs> when I was growing up and Joey's probably the same, like our vision of pop punk was teenage, early twenties, 
white skater dudes like that. And me too. That's what it was. That's the whole thing. I'm not immune from yeah. that either. You know what I mean? I like pirated <clears throat> the Sun 41 EP. Like I, that was my idea of it too. And that's why I never made it. Yeah. And that, that's exactly the, exactly. And that's why we, we wanted like to expand our horizons as a band. I mean, it's not just that, that Brianna's the best singer I know. It's that we did have very intentional conversations about how we could tell more people it was going to be okay in a way that would reverberate deeper than, than we were currently doing. And that, that, that is very important to us to just show people you could be yourself within this music and that you are, you know, incredible and people are incredible, but how many people have been turned away from this genre back in the day because of that exact feeling who could have been putting out, you know, like how good could pop punk be now if we hadn't tried to gatekeep what it looked like for so long, how good could Midwest emo be if it wasn't just, you know, white dudes in their twenties for 25 years, like how good of music could we have been making? So I think it's more than, more than long enough. Everyone has these feelings of despair of, of feeling alone, of feeling empty and stuff. It doesn't just belong to, you know, the sad whiny white boys, like, like how it's been portrayed in media and stuff like that. And I think that's such a disservice to the music because it does help people if it's allowed to and showing people that like, look, like I'm, I'm not a traditional rock star looking dude either. You know, like I'm, I'm a big old dumb looking dad, you know, like I just, I look like your stepdad, like, but you know, there weren't a lot of like, we need to just rethink what, what acceptance means. And if we're a, a genre that preaches acceptance and, and family and all this kind of stuff, it needs to be an open table an open a long open table where anyone can truly be themselves because that's what we preach in this genre and it has to be more than just words yeah no i i couldn't say that better myself like i think like you said the time for inclusion is long since passed like 20 plus years ago it should have been more inclusive but i think you know or maybe it's it's just a hopefulness or or something but I do think the gatekeeping in this side of the, the music community has come down quite a bit. I do think that it's a lot easier for people to feel more welcome and and go to shows that maybe they wouldn't have before and, and know like, okay, this is a safe space. Like I'm allowed to be here. Um, because I think that's, you know, going back in the day, like that was the misconception, right? Like, you know, Brie, you can probably speak to this, like going to a show, but not looking like the people that are there, like, oh, am I supposed to be here? Am I even allowed to be here? I went and saw Tech 9 Like, again, I'm a 37-year-old white dude. And I went and saw Tech 9 and I was one of like seven white people in the crowd. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm not supposed to be here, but fuck it. Like, I love this. So why why should I let anyone else say that I don't belong? Right. And, and, that's, and that's exactly the thing is like, so a night at a Tech Nine concert, that's my entire career. That's as I live in Oklahoma. That's most places I go. That's it. That's every show I went to when I was nine, 10 years old, 11 years old, going through, you know, to shows my whole life. So, I mean, of course I never made the music. You know what I mean? I had to work hard to feel good in the crowd. 
So, you know, and that, that was every time I wanted to go to a show. Every time. I, I am very aware that I'm the only Black person in the room 99% of my day because that's just how it is and that's my surroundings and, you know, do what you can, but it's where I live and what I do. And it's, it's like, I, I, if, like you said, if I can make, be the one other person in the room, be the one other person on stage, be the one other person on the tour package. That's like an anchor or like a hook for someone to hang their shit on fine. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm great with it and I love it. And also because white people need to see it. Why, you know what I mean? Young white men need to need to see this shit. And that's why it was so important for this album for me to have such a heavy hand in it for me. Cause I, I told Joey and Matt, I was like, y'all are going to use my shit. I mean, I want, <laughs> I want like, it, it, that's how it has to be. You need to pull this out of me so that we can use it because I want this to be completely above, above any reproach of, of diversity hire. Oh, she doesn't know the genre. Like I've been in this game longer than anyone who's going to criticize it has been alive. I don't want to hear it. We're going to make, we're going to do every, every reference. I mean, we go into post hardcore, we get into like this sort of like me without you sort of like inspired. Like, I mean, everything for me personally, it's just such a love letter from like 1998 to 2008 in so many ways. And personally, that means a lot because I, I'm not just trying to be in the room. I'm trying to establish myself as an authority on this because I know what I'm talking about. I know how to make this music. And not only that, but I know how to incorporate myself into it because that's the other thing about me is like, it's <laughs> like Haley Williams, right? You, we finally get this big, loud, strong voice in alternative music. You know what I mean? And, and there's been strong women throughout, of course, obviously, but you know what I mean? Just yep. front of the world, top of the world. Everyone's looking at it. Genre queen. And she still doesn't look, she can have as big of a voice as she wants, but she's an adorable, you know, perfect little doll. Like, yeah. And, and so there, there's been these holes and that's the other thing, my voice, yeah, it's big, but it's also very black. It's a very big black voice. And I have personally never heard anyone try to marry that with any of the shit I grew up with. So us being bold with like, not only are we going to add you into these songs, we're not going to shy away from what your voice sounds like. We are going to make it work because it belongs here just as much as anybody else's voice, people who are not as good as singers, whatever, like we're going to turn it on its head. And the guys were so committed to that with me to like making that happen and making, preserving the sound, but doing it in a new way with like, they looked at my voice as like a tool, not something to overcome, but something to, to help differentiate us and to expand things. And it's just been, it feels good. It feels good to not feel like they're trying to cover me up or, or, you know, can you do it a little less black or a little, right. you know, take 30% off the top. It's not that. It's not that at all. It's it's you do you and you know what you're doing and you know what sounds good. So we trust you. And that was such a, that's such a huge part of this album too, for me. I mean, yeah. no, I, <laughs> I, I totally get you and, and love all that. And I think one thing too, that I really love that that the team hasn't done that you guys haven't done is since bringing you in. And it's something I got rid of, <clears throat> excuse me, a long time ago as well, but it's always the focal point is you guys are not a female fronted band. Like that, that term female fronted does not come up. And I, to your point about Haley back in the day, it was, Oh, well, you know, it's a female fronted pop punk band. Like what the fuck does that matter? It doesn't like girls have emotions. Guys have emotions. 
girls are singers, guys are singers. Like, where does the female part of this play any resolute factor in mm-hmm. what this music is? Well, and that's it's the just thing. The internalized misogyny. So, well, I, was gonna, on, I think it's just like until we have a perfect world where there's not just more barriers for women than we like in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to have celebrate you know it being a female friend today and women's international day and let's talk about these bands that none of us have heard of because we haven't you know and and that's and that's kind of the thing it's like i do want it i do want the representation recognized but it's also just a good freaking album and we're a good freaking band do you know what like i don't i don't i don't like and that's again that totally goes back to what i was saying about the substance of it and why that mattered so much to me because anyone who tries to make this good or bad about diversity and whatever, you know what I mean? Good, whatever that, whatever the angle they're coming at it from, it's solid. You can't say, right. Oh, this album sucks. They plugged in a, a black girls for blah, blah, blah. And now, you know, this doesn't make any sense. I am in it and I'm part of it. And I wrote part, you know what I mean? Like my hands are all over it. And, and so it's, where you oh. got muted. Yeah, but you muted yourself. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I think to 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 that point, like, fine, you know, you, like what you're saying, you're going to hold this over our head that, oh, you brought in this black woman to be part of your band that's it's a showpiece or whatever. Oh, okay, I got but, accused of that right off the bat. People are oh, like, I'm, oh. I don't oh, doubt that at all. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, fuck you. She's the best singer. It's, you know it's better singer than she? Oh, no, you don't? So maybe just shut the fuck up and sit down because I'm I'm not the one. Come for Brianna, you come for me. And I, <laughs> I she doesn't need my protecting. She's a strong woman and she's more than comfortable putting any of these internet trolls back in their place if they have something to say about it. But like, but do we I'll fuck you ass. up. I'll, I'll, fuck, I'll fuck you up because if you even try and downplay or shame, like she is the most talented person I know. Like her, her and Matt, I, I, as much as I want to talk trash about Matt, he is a genius. <laughs> like, like we have a band full of, of musicianal respect more than before anything else. So if we are like you, like I want to make music with you because you are incredible and you are talented and you are vivacious and and like as someone who's watched Brie for a long time in in her other bands in Tulsa and like grow as an artist like I just I knew from the first time I heard her sing that like she had something inside her that when fully released and let go of is going to be something to behold and I I've, I've always said this because she's a different kind of talent that like while we were making this album while she was kind of Un- unlearning maybe some of the things that other people had taught her that she needed to do and sound and say, watching her, she would hit a note like with this confidence and this ground and be like, oh, that's too much. Ah, sorry, guys. And we'd be like, no, fuck you. Fuck you. Give me all of it. I want all of it. Let it all go. Let it out. Do what you want. Don't worry about what we're doing. How do you want it to sound? And, and she was like, and then, and, and, and she, she just let it go. And then like, it's not stopped since then like it's been an amazing thing to watch her transform herself and to to be her own advocate and to be her i didn't have to create anything for her like she was ready she success is opportunity you know meeting preparation and brianna had the opportunity 
and the band was ready to go and transform the whole the whole band and the whole process and probably the entire rest of my life. So uh, if anybody wants to talk shit, I, you know, meet me at the venue when we roll through. And uh, there's six of us besides Brianna in this band. And so come on, come on by. Come on by. You got something to say. We ain't got time for it. Right. So and, that's, and that's I, my thoughts on the I've, I've never done that in an interview, but I, for some reason I got I just was like, that's my girl. You if you're <laughs> hypothetically even talking trash, I'm going to ruin you. I'm going to say about me. <laughs> oh. no, and, I, I totally love and respect that. And, but the point I was getting to uh, was, sure, let someone hold that up. Right. Like, yeah, that's the thing. But then show me in the album where it fucking matters. <laughs> Show me in the album where you can say, well, this would have been better without, or that this is, is wrong because of. You can't. You can't. There's no, no way that you're going to do it. Because this album wouldn't exist without her. It would be a different thing, and it would be less than for it. And that's just the facts. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is better because of. And, and there's no other way around it. Like, Matt and I are committed, have always been committed for the last four years. To just doing whatever we did to give ourselves the best opportunity to help people and 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 then we we got the opportunity to transform into something special um with Bree. so uh they can hold it up all they want but they can't tell me it's not good you know <laughs> you know they should you can say whatever you want about us and our voices or you don't like oh it's not mine all right well tell me what sucks about it then you can't do it because it's 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 pretty decent so hypothetical haters aside, I think this is like what happens in the release cycle, right? At the end, where you're just like, <laughs> like about it in the shower, and then you have the thought, and you're like, somebody <laughs> said one thing. <laughs> no one's everyone's been so supportive and so kind. Like, we don't really have haters as a band overall. I mean, right. there's you know, it's it's the music industry, but um we we don't really like like because we do reach out not from like a look at us look how cool and special we are but like uh well we're idiots man we're just we're just idiots we're out here stumbling through life trying to just figure it out just like everyone is and that isn't that a relief that you don't have to know everything that you can be an idiot kind of like so i think we're blessed we're blessed that that like i think people see it as often authentic and I mean, that's, that's, you can't ask for a better compliment than that because that's what it is. It comes from a real place. And I think that's where we get so protective and so like insecure about it before it comes out. It's like, man, this, this is me. This is my, these are my tears. These are my, my victories. These are my, my worst nights. And I just want someone to, you know, there's still part of my brain that says, just look at it and tell me it's good enough. You know, just tell me it's okay. And then the other part of me going, it is okay. I'm a fine style label. Oh my God, I'm such a rock star. Like the, there are two wolves inside of me and they're both pissing me off. That's all I know about it. <laughs> that plays into like the imposter syndrome, right? Like, you know, we've, we've touched on the mental health side of things. And like, I know that's something I struggle with, even with this podcast, like, um, in two days as of us talking so at the end of uh april i have an interview with maddie mullins going live from memphis may fire oh, and yeah. when i got hit up about that i was like am i even like you understand who i am right like did you mean to email me about getting an interview <laughs> like am i good enough 
And then like, after we booked the interview and everything, I'm like, fuck that. I am good enough. You know what I mean? Like I have done this. Like I know what I'm doing. And Maddie and I had an incredible conversation, you know? And I think on the music side of things, there's a lot of that too, where you create this piece of art and because it's so personal and, you know, tied to your life, there's a little bit of like, are people going to accept me? You know, is, is this something that I can put out there and trust? But then at the end of the day, you have to let that other wolf take advantage and be like, no, fuck that. If they don't like it, then they've never been through what I've been through. And that's fine. Yeah, It's a fine line between the two of them where I think it it is, you know, harmony is, is the only really way to, to survive in this world is the balance between you know, as so above and below, as they say, you know, like you have to find that where you can, when you need it, you can lean into that side of you that says, who cares what any of these people say about you? And, but then you also have to be able to be like, calm down. You are not that important. The world does not revolve around you. You are not the main character in existence. Everyone else is trying their best too. So how would you just sit down and shut up? Like you have to be able to do both. Um, and it takes a certain kind of, I think, uh, mental fortitude that can only be built in the trenches of struggle to be able to, I think, pull that off. And I think that's why most successful artists uh, tear so hard on one side or the other, you know, when, when it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and those wolves get so huge that, you know, it is these swings of life and death of, playing to, you know, 250,000 people and then being alone in your room and not being able to stop the voices that tell you that you're worthless. Like that's what you hear. And so I think balance is, is everything. That's why we try and do everything uh, to be gracious for, for what we have, because uh, it has exceeded so many of our expectations, but um, it's only the beginning of, of like what I would, what I want from it. So we're trying to quit our jobs next year. You know, so we can do this. Yeah, hopefully it won't take that long. Maybe it'll be, you know, this summer. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, um, first off, I've I've loved this conversation. I really appreciate these stories and the, the connection that we're making. Um, but I want you, this may be a difficult question. It probably is. I want you to pick two songs off the album. One is the song that you think people are going to gravitate to. And the second is the one that you want them to gravitate to. Great question. Bree. <sighs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, to be honest, personally, I, okay. I think that trash, uh, not including the singles, because I feel like it's cheating. So not including the singles, I think when it comes out and the whole thing's out there, people are going to gravitate towards, um, I, I think they're going to be gravitated towards number three, and that's the one I want them to be gravitated towards. So it's like- Hey, that's good though. It's just, it's like the non-single song that we all are, I think, the most in love with and I, that we think, like, people are really going to love. It's called uh, Frankie Muniz, Don't Smoke No Mids. And it's it's the song Joey referenced earlier about, like, um, I, I don't know how to stop feeling like the villain in my own story. And it's all about this kind of reflection and this introspection where it's like, 
you know, at your, at your worst moment, you know what I mean? The, the day after the party, when you wake up and, you know, you don't remember driving home and you're just like, what a piece of shit I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, why am I doing this? You know, kind of a little bit beyond the self-loathing, you know, the questions that you ask yourself. And, and um, so anyway, I, I, I'd like, I think the same answer for me is number three. I think it's what the, I think people will gravitate towards it. And I really want them to. Oh, I'm, I'm totally in support of that. Um, I think they'll gravitate. He's going to say seven. To, yeah, probably to seven just because it rips. It's a <laughs> ripper. It's got a really good story to it, but I mean, it's, it's a, to me, that's a mood switcher. Like you're having a bad day. You throw on seven and by the end of it, you're just, you know, beating around with right. us. And then you're like, all right, whatever. Um, and, and we're really excited about some of these songs live, especially, but, um, you know, my favorite song is, is, is four into five track four into five. They're like one song for me because they're like Brianna wrote most of track four and I wrote most of track five, except for parts of the choruses. And, you know, like we, we both wrote parts of both songs, but like track four is about her and her, her struggle and about this. Like, I wonder if you'd hate me if you could see, you know, how weak I am now about how I'm I'm thinking about giving up and all this kind of stuff. And then track five is my experience with that kind of desolation where it's rage and fear and trembling and and defiance. But they're both kind of they're just two sides of the same coin. I mean, it's it's the same thought, the same emotion. It, would it be better? Would I be better if I wasn't? And, and so like track, track five was the first one I wrote for this album or started writing for this album. Um, and then Brie came in and wrote the chorus and completely changed the song, you know, Brie and Matt and, and Gil did, and, you know, Brie brought this new perspective to it that, that made it this, this story now, um, where it was like, a, a it wasn't like a soliloquy at first, like how we had had it written was very much like my hamlet like type like should i kill myself or do i just keep struggling like um and then brie wrote this course it's about from this other perspective it's about a dream where i was being haunted and i thought you know the only way to get rid of it would be to give in and give up and then brie wrote this other idea of the song about uh if if she was really the person who had killed themselves and gone over what would she try and say to me while i'm thinking about it it'd be like no stop wait like no this did nothing like like almost like the second like song four even like i I, i've listened to this album too many times but song four now has become um part like i hear the girl singing it too like i my character my the person the persona the feeling is, is singing in that song like in the front like uh, writing this letter to say goodbye and then but you can also hear it from the other point of view like i i messed everything up and i'm gone now so you don't make the same mistake and it becomes one cohesive uh idea to me and th- that's what i'm most excited about i think it's 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 like a higher concept than we've really played with in the past where we're really going in on the narrative um really trying to tell a story and trying to evoke these feelings like you know only only a song can do that make you like feel like you got punched in the face but then you like it you know because you're like oh well you know listen to dashboard back in the day when you're already sad you know screaming screaming (laughs) infidelities and like you know that that saves me but like it's it's still not the you know positive message you want to send but um 
those those two are they are dark and they are heavy but they're really honest and i'm really i'm really proud of them i think it's it really shows the maturity of of where we were able to go with brianna writing um she was the piece like uh, the partner that i needed to write with to really bring out a better writer in me as well so sure i might have been doing it for a little bit longer with the band but like writing working with brie has has just like these songs, like track five was completely different until she wrote that part. These songs <laughs> are, were pretty good, but now they're, they're, they're excellent because she's able to bring out more of me. And I feel this need to step up as well. Like to take my, my, without being a pretentious asshole, to take the craft seriously, to, right. to work on vocal exercises, to be singing all the time, to practice all the time, because I want to be able to, keep up with who I think is the best singer in the world. So, and the best, one of the best writers in the world, like, but it, it's so much fun. It's, there's a joy to it with writing with someone else who, who is, I think, brilliant. It's like, oh, we get to just have this repartee that when, when we're both in the zone, dude, we'll figure it out in about 10 minutes. Yeah. If, if we're both dialed in, like, Oh, whatever you want us to do, throw it at us. All right. You ready? Oh, of course, here it is. And, and it's so four and five is the perfect example of that. Awesome. Um, so I'm a stickler for the first, I say the first two times that you listen to a record, it needs to be front to back. Obviously, that's the way that every artist would like for it to happen. Um, a, how important is it for you guys? And then B, do you think it's harder because of the genre that we're in and with the song titles that you guys create? for people to see the the overarching story because you know we're talking about super saiyan al pacino here and it's like what the fuck is that but then when you actually listen to the song it's like oh like it doesn't really have anything to do with the song title it's let's have some fun but we're delivering you a message how important do you think front to back is at least the first time that they listen to it i I think it's really, I think it's really important. And that's one reason I think why Joey and I are so obsessed about um, sort of making sure people know that there is a story. You know what I mean? We're just, yeah. we're saying it constantly and yeah. trying to imply it in every way that we can, um, uh, putting the lyrics out there, all these different ways that we can to sort of do a good job to fill in the gaps. So we'll sing true to who we are. Cause that's, you know, the song titles, that's just, yeah. That's just how it goes in this house, you know, but it's, <laughs> but it is, it's super important. I mean, we, um, the, uh, Bill Armstrong from side one dummy, he, he told us the story about the first time he, you know, <laughs> the guys were bugging him to listen to this band that they wanted him to sign and, you know, everyone to get on board and his flight got canceled. He was super bummed out and he was kind of, we kind of held him hostage because he, he was stuck in a rental car driving because his flight got canceled. So he popped it on, got to listen to it front to back. And that was his whole thing was like, people need a, like, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So I, I think for me, and it's, it's very, very important. And I want everyone to just leave it, <laughs> to hit, try, hit play and just go. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, sure. If you listen to it on shuffle or whatever, I think it can stand by itself as each of the tracks being a good 
you know, well-crafted song that's a lot of fun and can hit you with all these different emotions. But I think to really like get the full picture of, of why we wrote the way we did and, and why there are callbacks and moments from other songs that like, kind of like are at the end of, you know, track, track three to, or track three to track eight, where Bree's still doing this echo thing at the end of the last chorus out of the outro, where it's this repetition, but change this alchemy, like from, from bad to good type, type idea that I think might get lost a little bit. If, if, if it's not a straight through um, journey, at least once, at least the first time, then you can skip around, feel your feelings how you want to. But um, (laughs) I know it would mean a lot to us personally, if, if, you know, you just, just sat, give us 29 minutes, just give us 29 minutes and just, just listen to it all the way through the, you know, in order, I think it'll make you like the singles more even because they'll make a lot more sense within context. Um, I think track nine might get a little bit bigger eventually, you know, lost in Ikea strikes back because by itself, it's a very good song, but at the end of the journey, I feel like it's a triumphant song. It changes its even meaning of it. And that's why the two singles we've released so far, Vegas Bomb is the first track on the album and Ikea is the last track on the album. So it shows this this journey from chaos, from from wanting to find oblivion to being like, no, screw you. I'm gonna I'm gonna be resilient, even if it's just a spite myself. Even if it's just a piss off that voice in my brain that's saying, you'll never be good enough. Yeah, but that's not going to stop me from trying, idiot. So enjoy that, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I, I I think that, you know, please, please, just just listen to an order once. Just one, one time, time. First time. One time. Just the first time. Just listen to it all the way through and, and just, just try and just let us know what you I, think. Yeah, no, and I really don't think it's too much to ask. I do have one friend that always comes to mind because I've, repeatedly said that the first time that I say the first two times, because the first time to me is the surface listen, like I'm going to listen to it, just kind of see where I start bobbing my head, where it's, you know, pulling me in, things like that. Then the second playthrough is focused on like, what the fuck are they doing with the guitars? Like, what are these words? Like digging into the meat of it, but he fucking refuses to do that. And I think it's to spite me at this point. Like, I think he would if I wouldn't tell him he has to, but... um, Can I tell him he has to? Yeah. Yeah, let's let's read tell him. (laughs) Hey, if if it's up to me, you listen to it three times. You do it just like you said, and the third time you you add the lyrics and you're reading the lyrics while you're listening to it. You know, like if if, if it's a dream situation, then you listen to it three times straight in a row. And then by the end of it, you should have a good idea if you like it or not, so... Um, What's his name? But make sure it's on Spotify. His name's Cody. When you do, Cody, have some respect. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do what you want, bro. <laughs> yeah, but we're also like not gonna tell anybody. Oh, you idiot! That's right. not how it's right. supposed to be listened to, or that's not what that song means. If you listen to it in context, you'd know. Like, do whatever you want. Like, I hope it just it makes you feel something, even if it is shuffled up, even if it's just one song. You're like, whatever. I hope that. Everyone has one moment on it where they can go, man, that's interesting. Even just that would be good enough for me. Like, huh. Even huh, just for that, the Cody's. You know what I mean? Not everybody Cody. can be a Josh. We hope we do it for the Cody's too. Right. You know, exactly. but if, if you have a choice, be a Josh. You know, if you like, ask us how it's supposed to be heard, be a Josh. Be a Josh. Solid. 
Well, that's going to be a t-shirt Cody's. now. We love all the Cody's. We love all the Cody's in the world. Thank you guys. You, Cody. Actually, there's a couple Cody's I don't like so much, but most of them, I like Cody Pruitt beat me up in fifth grade, and I still haven't forgiven him for that. But, okay. Uh, well. Most Cody's, we love you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's solid. Um, I think that's everything I've got for you guys. So obviously, I'll link all the socials and everything, but where can people find you online? What can they expect? How can they interact with you? That type of stuff. Sure. CliffDiverOK.com. We're at CliffDiverOK on most social media, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we're pretty active there, especially on Twitter. Most of the band members have, uh, Twitter profiles as well. Um, this is released in a, in a month. The 25th so the of May. Be, yeah. Oh my gosh. So the album will be out. So go stream the album. Um, we have a on tour. If it's coming out the 26th to, tomorrow starts our tour, the 27th we will be out in the Northeast. Um, hope to see you. Clipdiverok.com for tickets. Awesome, guys. I appreciate this Cheers so today. much. <laughs> Got to do the infomercials now. Um, yeah, com. <laughs> Get yours today. Just don't hire the, uh, uh, what was the Sham Wow guy? Is that who it was? That got oh, yeah. I think he's still hookers or something like that. Yeah. yeah. He liked to party. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he made that Sham Wow money and was like, I am God. I yeah. can do anything. Yeah, and again, but he can sure clean up spells, you know, like industrial spills. So that's cool. yeah, I guess. You know? But there's definitely going to be kids listening to this that are like, because we're all of the right age to remember those. There's going to be kids listening to this going, "Who the fuck are they talking about? Like, <laughs> what's a sham have wow?" Tried, have you ever tried to explain Bob we at a baby eats a boy to un- <laughs> anybody under the age of thirty? Yeah. Well, I don't there's even know what you layers. just said to me. <laughs> Bob we at a baby eats a boy. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. Uh, all yeah, the time. Be, a, be a Josh, Joey. I guess I'm becoming a Cody right now, but uh, that'll be all right. Well, well, I know what's you. happening at next band practice. Uh, so. Right, right. <laughs> no, we're we're, yeah, we're on YouTube. <laughs> awesome, guys. Again, I appreciate it so much. Um, I'll definitely be in touch on the mental health one as well, if you guys are up for it. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll see you out on tour. We'll do one of these live and in person and do some sick ass concert photography and everything like that. That would be dope. We're in. Awesome. Sounds good, guys. (laughs) I appreciate your time. Um, you know, stay safe, keep doing your shit. Hey, you too. Thanks for your time, man. We appreciate it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. Nice meeting you. All right. We'll talk to you. And that was my conversation with Joey and Bree of Cliff Diver. How fucking fun are those two? Um, you know, huge shout out, huge thank you to them for taking the time to do this conversation. Um, super stoked about their album. Obviously, like we said uh, during the conversation, we were talking pre-album release, so, um, you know, now that they've had some time with the album being out and everything, I highly encourage you guys to uh, let them know, you know, that, that you love it and give them the <laughs> praise and accolade that they deserve. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, you definitely need to go check it out. There is so much awesome stuff on this album. Um, it touches a few different genre scapes, really. 
there's a lot of different storytelling tactics and messages and just an incredible portfolio and showcase you know there for this to be kind of a, a debut album showcase they fucking nailed it um be sure you know as always i'm gonna have the social medias linked and everything as well so be sure that you're jumping over uh follow them on all the socials like i said stream the album let them know what you think of it and i you know we said it in that <laughs> that conversation and i've told you guys this before i'm a huge stickler on this at least the first two times that you listen to the album Give it a run through front to back, both those first two times. Um, after that, if you want to skip around and, you know, deep dive into your favorite songs or whatever, go for it. But those first two times, just give it a straight play um, so that you can really experience it. You know, there are some tracks that actually do tie together from a story aspect and things like that. And it's important that you give them the, the due time uh, that they deserve. Um, also, just because I think this will be funny, um, to see kind of, uh, if anybody is willing to honestly admit it, or even if you're just being a troll, if you are not a fan of Celine Dion, we talked pretty heavily about that in this episode. If you're not a fan of Celine Dion, I want you to comment on either my Instagram post for this podcast, uh, or jump over and just comment on one of the Cliff Diver posts uh, that you don't like Celine Dion. I guarantee you that it will be a mistake in the best sort of way. Uh, you you don't mess with Celine Dion when it comes to Joey and Bree. So, um, yeah, that's everything I've got for you guys this week. Uh, we've got m a lot more coming up Um tons of incredible artists for this podcast i have more already set up for musicians for mental health i'm going to be working on getting joey and brie on musicians for mental health as well uh we're going to decide you know if we have them on together if they each want solo episodes or just kind of how that all plays out uh but you know definitely stay tuned on that um and then you know I, I don't self-promote the, the merch that often or, you know, tell you guys to, to go buy or whatever. Um, like I said, not very often anyway. But it does mean the world to me if you guys are into the designs. There's a ton of merch up. Youmakethescene.com slash shop. Head over, um, you know, pick up some gear. There's a lot that I am working on to get some new designs and things like that as well. So definitely want you to stay posted there. Um, and who knows, maybe there'll be like a summer sale or something like that that happens. We'll see what goes on. But um, that's everything this week, guys. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.